Cowabunga, dudes and dudettes. We're ready for episode two of Turtle Flakes. I'm excited. How about you, Rob? I am pumped, man. <laughs> All right. We're going to be covering Buyuka Showdown of uh, Special for the 2012 series. We're also going to be covering issue number one of the TMNT image series of the comics. Mm-hmm. And also the 2003 TMNT cartoon. And the 2003 Leonardo action figure. Cool. So first of all, so Josh, how have you been, man? Pretty good. Uh, it's It's been a, kind of a crazy two weeks, but I've got my turtles in. Nice, nice. <laughs> well, all right. Today is August 17th, and on this very day, back in 1989, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles video game was ported and released in Europe. So, uh, yeah, I can't, I, it's hard to believe it's that old already, man. Yeah, I know. It's it's a great game, and I think it's aged really well. It doesn't feel that old, but... Back in uh, Europe, it was Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, wasn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, they did. They changed the name. I guess uh, the name Ninja was controversial at the time, which, mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Of, I think Ninja probably actually means assassin, so... Right. <laughs> that might be a little dark for kids. <laughs> right, right. I, I know Nunchucks, at least in the, for the cartoon... I think after the first season in, in uh, a lot of the uh, European countries, anytime there was a scene with Michelangelo's nunchucks, they actually took them out and uh, replaced it with a like a turtle line. It was almost like a grappling hook for Michelangelo. So I think I've seen that grappling hook in uh, either the 20, 2012 or twenty or two thousand three series. Yeah, yeah, they they hint at it and they do they do show it there. I think the the, the nineteen eighty eight series you had the the punch out with all the different pieces. You'd have some shuriken and then their weapons. There was always this this weird thing, and I didn't know what it was. <laughs> yeah. That's probably that grappling hook. <laughs> That's probably it. Awesome. So I guess we got a couple of shout-outs we get, need to give today, don't we? Yes, we do. Okay, first shout-out we want to give is to Mark Pellegrini. I think that's how you say his name. I'm sorry, Mark, if I've butchered your name there. (laughs) But he is a writer uh, over at um, uh, TMNT Entity. He's got his own blog, and he writes reviews on uh, all the Ninja Turtle comic books that I can think of. You know, the Mirage series, the Image series, the new IDW series. Uh, He's written reviews on the cartoons, uh, the original, the... 2003 cartoon and I think he's probably working on the Nickelodeon show right now so I wanted just to give a big shout out to him he's actually an admin on our Facebook page uh, and every now and then you'll you'll see um, a post he's made about uh, you know the, the newest article or review on TMNT Entity so big shout out to Mark he knows a lot about the turtles and uh, he's a great writer so go check out his work I think his his address is TMNT Entity Dot blogspot.com. So go check him out. Well, Rob, it looks like we have a couple iTunes reviews, and Sweet. it looks like the turtle fans are uh, liking us pretty well. <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. The first review here is from Kingsley Z. The review title is Fun. Listening to the first episode, I found myself laughing and remembering all the good times I had watching and playing as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Interesting facts, great hosts, a must listen. Oh, thank That was really cool. nice. Yeah. I think that was my buddy Andy. Thanks, Andy. Andy, I appreciate it, man. See, next one we got was from Pearl Jam 22. He says, this is really nice. Um, I, I love these guys. I love the audio clips they play from the episodes they're talking about. It's a very nostalgic way to enjoy my coffee in the morning. And I'm so glad that Classic Turtles had never died out because of its fans. We, we love talking about the Turtles, and we're, we're so glad that we... I honestly didn't think we would have any listeners yet, <laughs> besides maybe our maybe our close friends and family. So uh, you know, it's really cool to you know at least hear that people like us and they're putting up with us. So that's really neat. Uh, the next review says, "Amazing podcast and five stars by Matthew Kazor. Thanks, Matt. Great first podcast, guys. It brought back all kinds of memories 
from my great-grandma buying me the first action figure to seeing the movies in the theater, and even the heartbreaking day my mom sold my turtle blimp at a garage sale. Oh, oh man. man, that's sad. Oh, that's a <laughs> technical foul. I'm looking forward to more podcasts. Keep up the great work. Oh, thanks, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thank you, all, all three of you. Um, if you're listening, we really appreciate it. So, Josh, uh, you know, have you done anything Ninja Turtle related over the past week or so? Yes, I have. I've been watching a couple of the uh, episodes, of course, the ones we're about to review, but I uh, also did a little bit of shopping. So I picked up uh, a couple of Ninja Turtles comics. I picked up a few of the IDW series. I think I'm up to like 23 now, episode 23 or issue 23. Building that collection, I haven't I haven't read a ton of them yet, but uh, every time I see them, I pick them up. I just want to try to keep current. I also picked up the new animated series. There is a comic book that also goes alongside of that. I picked up episode number, uh, I'm sorry, issue number one of that. So I'm excited to see that. And I picked up a really sweet Ninja Turtles hat yesterday at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. It's got uh, all four turtles on the front. It's got a little shell on the right side. And then underneath the brim, uh, it looks like pizza. That's awesome. Yeah, I picked up a shirt as well. So, oh, sweet. Yeah, I'm excited. So you picked up the new uh, comic book series that's based on the animated series? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, there's, uh, I believe, only issue one is out right now. Yeah. I've been scouring the shelves at the comic book shop. <laughs> nice, nice. I think I, I think I downloaded that one, um, and I haven't read it yet, but I do know that the artwork is really good on it. So, And I was a huge fan of the Archie comics that were based on the original Ninja Turtles series, so I'm really excited to read this one. Yeah, so am I. We'll have to review that one soon. At the comic book shop, there's actually two different covers, and I was able to snag the alternate cover. Yeah, we'll go over that when we review it, but it's, it's pretty neat. Hey, maybe we should talk about that in the next episode, since we're going to be focusing on the new series. Okay, yeah. Yeah, maybe we could talk about that. Uh, obviously, you know, the 2012 show, we could talk about the comic book that's based on the show, and we could talk about the IDW series. So Great. So stay tuned for next week. All right. <laughs> for me, I picked up a just – I didn't do a whole lot this week besides, you know, the, the stuff we were going to research for today's episode. But I did – have a couple extra bucks in my checking account that I didn't know were in there, so that was a nice bonus. And I picked up two of the figures from the 2012 show. I got uh, Dog Pound here, and I've got Splinter. I love the new version of Splinter from the 2012 show. I agree. I, just in the uh, the Buyuka showdown that we're going to talk about later, mm -hmm. that that specific episode kind of made me have a lot more respect for Splinter as a character in general. Oh, I know, I know. So what did you what did you think of the Booyaka Showdown? I thought it was awesome. So I had not watched any of the 2012 series uh, as of earlier this week, mm -hmm. and I knew we were going to be reviewing the uh, Booyaka Showdown, so I was like, well, I at least want to watch the first episode. So I watched that, mm -hmm. and then I watched the Booyaka Showdown. Mm -hmm. So overall, the series in general, I'm really impressed. I like the direction that they went on it. So usually I'm pretty skeptical on new reboots of series and things for, you know, well... I guess for good reasons, like uh, um, <clears throat> Phantom Menace, excuse me. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's always really neat when they reboot a series, and it's actually really good. And I like that they're able to bring it to a new audience, revive uh, the IP, and just strengthen the franchise. Like, uh, I guess another good example is uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars. Right. You know, the movies I didn't very like very much. Uh, I do still watch some, but, you know, that's that's a whole deal in, in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But the cartoon series is really good, and it's brand new, but it's cool that they took it in a new, a new direction. And uh, I feel like the 2012 TMNT series did the same thing. 
Uh, I like the art style. I love the theme song. Usually, uh, like most of the, the turtle songs from the movies, like, you know, the villain, Vanilla Ice song and uh, <laughs> the other song at the end of the credits of the first one. Oh, uh, Turtle Power, right? Yeah. T-U-R-T-L-E yeah. Power. <laughs> they're fun. They're a little bit corny, but they're fun. But the, the 2012 uh, intro song, I think it's pretty legit. I like it. Oh, I, I loved it. And I love the nice nod to the original show at the very end. Where they go, heroes in a half shell, turtle power. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they they, they didn't do that in the 2003 cartoon, which, uh, you know, I understand they were trying to make their own thing, um, but I, I always like those little um, nods to the the past. So, I, and I think the new intro does that a little bit. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I I really like it, and I like uh, for some reason it it struck me as cool when they zoomed down on the the sewer uh, the sewer great cover. The manhole <laughs> cover, and it just says NYC on it. Oh, yeah. It down in. I thought that was a pretty cool touch. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, overall, in general, uh, as a, a person who's usually skeptical of new re-releases, uh, I was really impressed. I really like what they did with it. It's sort of, a, to me, it seems like it's a mix between the 87 series and the 2003 series, where 87 is really kind of uh, funny and more lighthearted. The 2003 series is a little bit more serious. I think this one falls right in the middle, and it's a good mix of both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I I have to agree with you. I think that the new show is fantastic. I love the new show. And I know know next next episode we're going to be talking a lot more in depth about, you know, the the intro, the characters, and everything like that. But just a few things I want to point out, especially about the Booyaka Showdown. I don't know about you, Josh, but it felt epic to me. Like, it, it felt like you were watching a season finale. I, there, were, there were so many layers of storylines and everything. What was happening with Splinter, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, what was happening with uh, Krang Prime and the Turtles and, and April. I, there are just so many good things that happened in those two episodes. I was so impressed. And it was kind of cool. It, you know, we don't have a Twitter account yet, but we're working on that. As soon as we had got, or I had gotten done watching the episode, I went on our Facebook page and I asked some listeners, you know, if any of you had, had uh, seen the showdown yet. And this was like an hour after the show was over with. And we got like 20 some responses of, and not one of them said they didn't enjoy the episode. It was. It really was great. Like you said, I felt like it was epic as well. I mean, it could have been a movie. I agree. It was just. It was really well done. Um, it felt like it was the end of the world, and it felt like the Ninja Turtles had to stop um, Krang Prime from, uh, I guess, invading the world or entering. Uh, through yeah, they were going to bring the Technodrome. Yeah, is was so the Technodrome never came out, right? I think. I think it. It did actually come, and then they destroyed it. What I had seen, I guess maybe it's because I was expecting, you know, the, the classic Technodrome with the eyeball on the top. Yeah, I, I didn't actually recognize the Technodrome. I didn't know that that spaceship thingy that was hovering from the sky was part of the Technodrome, I guess. Um, I think it was the Technodrome. I could be wrong. Oh, okay. Maybe that's maybe that's what they were trying to summon the Technodrome with. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I was a little a little fuzzy about that, and I didn't take any notes because, um, you know, n- know that we're not going to be reviewing it for a while, but fantastic. And the storyline, I, I don't know if we want to give away any spoilers. Do we want to do that? Well, we can mention a little bit, I guess. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, maybe pique people's interests. Um, like you were saying, though, it really does feel like it's the end of the world and, and the world of the turtles. And I thought it was really cool where uh, Splinter is talking to Leonardo before they leave on their mission to, to save the world. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's like, you know, if, if this is the end of the world and it's in somebody's hands. I'm glad that it's in your hands. Right. Uh, then he goes on to say, listen, if you need 
to sacrifice anything or anyone for the greater good, then that's what That's exactly what do. I was going to say, yeah. I thought that was a really great line. So they, they really did a good job of, you know, setting the scene of this is what's going on. And it, like you said, it's epic. It's a big, there's a huge buildup to this large battle. Could yeah. be the end of the world. And it's sort of a test for the turtles. It's uh, right. go big or go home. Right. <laughs> okay, spoiler alert. If you don't want to hear what happens at the end, please skip over this part. You know, it's almost foreshadowing at the beginning of the episode because, you know, obviously Splinter says, hey, you might need to sacrifice somebody to save the world. I mean, and it's a hard decision to make, but it's the right decision to make. So you think that Leonardo is going to sacrifice himself to save everyone else. I was under the impression, you know, obviously I didn't think they were going to kill off Leonardo. I mean, come on. I was thinking, I was thinking, okay, they were going to end this season on a cliffhanger where we are led to believe that Leonardo's dead. Uh, I was thinking the same thing. Me too, and I was okay with that. I actually, I'm morbid in this way because I actually like when there's almost a sad ending or a cliffhanger ending to a season. Because it, especially in the Ninja Turtles, you don't see that very much, at least in the TV show. Now, you see, right. you see sad endings all the time in the comic book series, but... In the TV show, you just don't see that as much. And I was thinking, wow, this might be the first episode where I actually feel kind of sad. I have to know what's going to happen next. But then he shows up at the end, and it was a happy ending. But there, there were some mixed feelings at the ending, though. Because, you know, Splinter, and I won't give this part away, but yes. Splinter is is actually pretty distraught about something. Uh, and, and that does make you sad, but he's like, today's a day of victory. Let's celebrate. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, you know, overall, uh, I was captivated by the, the Buyuka Showdown. Uh, I thought those last two episodes were fantastic. And I think the new episodes are coming out in fall. So um... my favorite part of the Buyuka Showdown is where Splinter is trying to get into, uh, into the building uh, where Shredder is mm-hmm. and he's coming up on the uh, on the foot soldiers and he's just sneaking up on him like and I think it's it's really the the way that they display him doing this because it, it's almost like Assassin's Creed or something where he's got the hood up <laughs> I mean he looks awesome so it's almost like the, the Grim Reaper or something he's just you know he's in the shadows and he's real serious and he just he just comes up and they're just really swift movements where he just takes him out like Definitely Shadow Warrior esque there. It was it was awesome. So, it, to me, it was like we take Splinter very seriously. You know, he's he is a Shadow Warrior. He's a Ninja Master, and you do not want to be on his bad side. Right, right. You know, a lot of times I think we think, oh, well, you know, he's older now, and you know, he just he's more of a teacher than anything else. But when push comes to shove, he's probably the best fighter in this the whole series so yeah he's kind of like yoda right (laughs) you don't take him that seriously and then all of a sudden it's like whoa as as smart as splinter is i like how april actually teaches his him something and gives him convictions about instead of just sitting back you know maybe getting involved directly because this could be the end of the world uh, so I love that. I, and I, you can kind of see it. You know, at first he's Splinter's meditating and everything. But then as the episode progresses, you see he's more and more convicted about it. And he keeps um, replaying that scene with April, you know, saying, how can you sit around and do nothing while the turtles try to save the world? 
And I was shocked by his response, too, when he was like, I don't need to be told what to do by a child or something like that. Right, yeah. And I was like, wow, well, Splinter's, Splinter's pretty serious. So I, that, that was another part. I like how they, they showed his character. I was talking to my wife about this. I don't know why she would care, but I was, uh, I was like, <laughs> you know what? Because I, I had bought those figures and stuff. And, you know, I got Dog Pound and I got Splinter. And I got to thinking. I said, I think Splinter's my favorite character out of the entire franchise, it's it's not one of the turtles so much. It's more Splinter, because in every rendition of Splinter, um, the original, the 2003, and the new one, there's there's just something about him that I like. Um, I like you know that he doesn't have to prove himself all the time. I like that he's not a hothead. That he's probably uh, the best fighter in the entire franchise, and he's the wisest. I, there's just something about him, and especially the newest version of Splinter that is just fascinating to me. You guys owe it to yourself to to watch this series and uh, especially those last two episodes. This is a really like this show. All right, I guess it's time for some turtle news. Okay, um, just a few things here I wanted to mention. It, apparently, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle film, uh, the movie that Michael Bay, I think, is involved with. I don't know if he's directing it or not? I believe he is. Oh, okay. So he is directing it. Well, apparently it's been pushed back to August 8, 2014. So a little under a year from now, the new um, the new movie will be coming out. Uh, another thing, the second issue of the new animated series, the Adventure Series, is out. It just came out this past week. So, um, uh, so be sure to check that out. And the last one, on August 21st, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Villain Micro Series Issue 5 about Karai will be out. So uh, those are three things to definitely um, keep mind of. And I think that's it for the Turtle News this week. Hey, did she say pizza? So you live in an antique store? Yep, pizza. Well, above, actually. Well, I was going to give you guys a tour of the store. Ready? All right, I guess it's time to talk about our toy of the week, and that would be the 2003 Leonardo action figure. Uh, Josh, did you have this one? No, I did not. I didn't either. I didn't either. I do remember when this had come out. I do remember seeing it on the shelves a lot, but, um, you know, and it's, it's, I guess it's a thing about the whole 2003 series. I, it's not that I didn't like it. It had nothing to do with that. It's just I was uh, working a lot during that time, um, especially on Saturdays when the cartoon would come out. So I knew virtually nothing back then about the new then new series. Um, so I didn't know anything really about this toy line. So I actually did a little bit of research on it. There's some good stuff about this toy uh, that I like. But first of all, you know, what's your first impressions about the toy? Do you, do you think it's a nice homage to the original, or do you think it's very, very radically different, pun intended? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think just my first uh, impression at it, when I look at it, is I really like the top of the packaging where you can see Leo's face. Ah, interesting. That's really, really neat. I like the way that uh, right where it hangs, it's sort of the top of his head, but right. it's it kind of jumps out at you, almost like it, it's a mask or something, if you were looking at it on a store shelf. Mm -hmm. But uh, to get to your question, Leo himself, I think, looks really similar to the original toy line to me. Um, I mean, I guess the biggest difference to me is, uh, I guess, the 
the bandana around his head looks like the the tails are a little bit longer and the uh the strap that goes around his chest and waist it's black instead of brown and it doesn't have uh, a letter in it but i mean overall it's it's leonardo looks relatively the same to me uh i really like the katanas though they look awesome i agree i definitely agree um you're you're definitely right. I don't think it's too different from the originals, which I like. I love the original toys um, and how they looked. Uh, th- there are a few things, like I did a side-by-side comparison of the two. There are a few things that are different. Like you mentioned, um, the, the headband. It's a little bit longer, and in the 2003 series, um, Leo's headband, and I'm sure all the turtles are this way, um, is kind of like frozen, blowing in the wind. It's just like kind of frozen <laughs> in the air. Yeah. Um, that's that's a little bit different. Another nice thing about the new series, or I'm sorry, the 2003 series, is that you know how like the original series there were like two colors for the turtles. You know, I think Raph and Mikey were like a dark green, where I think Leo and Donnie were kind of like a brownish green. Uh-huh. Well, in in the 2003 series, every single one of the turtles have a different shade of green. So that's a little bit different. Uh, the katanas, they look a little bit more sleek. I, I like how the katanas look. And he's got a sheath, you know, he wears um, over the back in the new figure that you can you can put the katanas in. And I think... Oh, the, that's cool. Yeah, I think the old figure had that too, maybe. I, I just can't remember. I, I never had the accessories. I always lost those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The katanas have a cool design. Uh, the nice thing about the new figures is they're a lot more... Um, flexible. They have like ball joints in the shoulders where you can actually arch the shoulders up and down where uh whereas the old figures just go, you know, backward and forward. Oh, so, that's cool. We got yeah. more points of articulation on the on the figure. That's yeah. neat. Yeah, it, it it's definitely um it's definitely a lot more sleek looking too. Like I think the newer figures, the the turtles are a little bit little bit more slim but yet muscular, you know, if if that makes any sense. You know, I think the the older figures are a little bit I want to say maybe a little bit shorter, and uh, they, they seem a little bit more rounded, whereas the new figures, especially the new Leonardo, the, it looks like his shell's a little bit more narrow. Um, in the original line, you had Leo, you had Raph, Mike, Don, um, the Foot Soldiers, Shredder, Splinter. Did you have, okay, you said in the first episode that you had the original toy line, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you lucky dog. <laughs> um, but l- let <laughs> me ask one. you this. Uh, <laughs> um did the original toys have like a squishy head like you could actually press down on the head I think three out of the four turtles had squishy heads for some reason like you could actually if you press down hard enough on uh, on their skulls or whatever they're, you know you'd actually press down and over time uh, the little squishy head would kind <laughs> of um, be discolored you know it wouldn't quite match the color of the turtle itself well obviously <laughs> I, yeah I, I didn't know this um, but um, squishy head yeah <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if you want to squish their head, you can. Uh, but yeah, um, obviously these these uh, new figures they don't do that, and I think actually the later figures from the first series, you know, they they quit doing that. I'm not sure why they did that in the first place, but for some reason, only w- one out of the original toy line um, figure didn't have the squishy head, and I think that was Raph. I, I don't know why because I actually have the Raph figure. Um, and he doesn't have that because I tried squishing his head all I could. Maybe I'm just weak or something. <laughs> well, Raph's always been a hard head. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good one. Good one. Uh, but yeah. I, have, uh, I, I did pick up uh, the original Splinter, actually. I forgot to mention earlier. Um, let me see if I have one of the turtles. Oh, nice. Back. 
Okay, I've got my 1988 Splinter. I just picked up at a uh, flea market, actually, for a dollar. Wow, <laughs> I good pickup. I forgot to mention that earlier. Nice. Yeah, uh, he does have a squishy head. It's quite squishy, actually. Wow, so Splinter is, too. I didn't know that. Yeah, and his uh, his head actually is a a notably lighter brown than his body is. Yeah, yeah, that that's uh, what I, I found out. I did a little bit of research, and it seems like the first 1988 toy line was... was uh, they did that, and I'm not really sure why. Yeah, the other two uh, figures I picked up were, um, it's like a rock star um, Raphael, and this one's from 1991, and his head is very solid, and then also uh, the astronaut Raphael, and his head is very solid there, but again, it might just be Raph's hard head. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's it. (laughs) Yeah, I actually had the uh, astronaut Raphael. that That was for the Undercover series, I think. Um, in 1990 or 1991, because um, in that same line was the Detective Donatello one. Okay, yeah, Raph, um, my astronaut Raph says 1990. Okay, and then, wow. Uh, Rockstar one says uh, 91. Okay, yeah, yeah, because I, I think my Donatello was from 1990 as well, and I think Michelangelo was the surfer in that one. That's not a very good disguise for him. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. That's way too natural for him. Um, and I can't remember what Leonardo was. But yeah, but going back to the 2003 figure, there are a lot of things I like. I like the, the fact that it's a lot more flexible. I like the fact that it's a lot more sleek. I love the headband kind of uh, blowing in the wind effect. love the katanas. But the, there are a couple things I don't like. And actually, one of the things that I don't like is one of the things you did like, uh, Josh. Um, the the box art you know at the front mm-hmm. it it is kind of nice to see you know Leonardo's head you know at, at the um, on the box and everything because you know uh-huh. immediately that's what the first thing you see right but I can't help but I I miss the old playmates you sketches and stuff um, on, on the box art you know it's funny you mentioned that I think. I think the whole series, even the cartoon we'll get into more later, mm-hmm. it's more sleek, streamlined, and simple. And I think that's exactly what you're, you're getting to. The box, it is more streamlined and simple. The, the sketches on the other one, there's a ton of intricate, hand-drawn artwork, which is very cool. Right, right. And then this one, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of more simple and basic. Right. Uh, I think one of the reasons I like it, though, is, you know, when you're looking for your turtle figures on the, uh, on the, the peg hook at the store... Mm-hmm. And you're trying to figure out, you know, where's Leonardo? You can look right at the top at who it is. I know with the the new series when I was buying them, you have to, like, move the figure out of the way to see who's in the plastic. That's true. So, I mean, it does have its advantages. And uh, apparently he came with some suction cups so you could have him crawl up a wall if you wanted to. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, he's got, like, two throwing stars. So it has some pretty cool accessories. And, uh, you know, believe it or not... This is starting to kind of creep up in price, I've noticed. Um, for one, to find a box 2003 Leonardo is kind of hard. You, you can find them on eBay and everything, but you're going to pay about 20 to $30 boxed. Yeah, that's about, um, I'd say about $10, $15 more than uh, they were going for back in 2003. So they're, they're climbing up there. And maybe that has that is partly due to the new series and everything. But you know, if you get the figure loose on eBay or, or um, you know any other site, you're gonna pay you know ten dollars or less. Uh, so yeah, I, mean, I think overall solid figure. Um, I don't have this, but I would like to have this, uh, especially boxed um, one day. But I just can't afford it. I think I, for my collection, I'm gonna probably do all loose figures first. Yeah. And then I'll work my way up, uh, and then you know maybe one of these days I'll start 
doing the boxed um, boxed figures, but golly, they're expensive. You go to get a boxed 1988 toy line figure, uh, you're going to pay $60, $70 easily. So I just don't yeah. have that kind of money. There's a, there's a store actually pretty close to me. Um, it's called Time Travelers in, in in Michigan. I don't remember the city, but they have several toys. Uh, they got a pretty good selection of turtle toys. Uh, and they actually have a couple of boxed figures. I think they had a, a boxed Rocksteady and a boxed April. And I want to say they were an early series. They may not have been the 88. They, they were either between 88 and 91. And I think they were like $20 or less. But they're not the main figures. They're not the turtles themselves. But um, so I thought that was kind of cool. It's not... Yeah. Not terribly like price restrictive, but yeah, I'm sure they didn't have any of the actual turtles, and that's what everyone wants. I mean, that's what I would want. Is uh, is I'm more interested in the the four turtles at first, right? Right. Uh, when you're collecting, but I think I'm more of a an open box person than a box person mm-hmm. uh, in general. Uh, it, like I said before, I'm a retro gamer. I don't like buying boxed copies of games because I like to play them. And <laughs> I'll buy it, and then it'll sit there, and I'll be like, should I open it? Should I not open it? And, <laughs> and I, I just I can't bring myself to open it because I know somewhere there's someone out there uh, that's looking for a boxed copy of it. I'm like, no, I'm leaving the boxed sealed ones for the boxed people. I like to take my stuff out and use it and play with it, so I want it open. Um, and I, I think it's cool. So the the figures that I picked up at the flea market, they're they don't have any accessories, which that's the bad part about getting open stuff is that you're almost always missing the weapons. Mm-hmm. But it's cool that uh, I only paid a buck for them, and I've got them set up on my desk here, and it's cool that you can you can pose them and move them around, uh, just to sort of liven up the place. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, they, definitely the loose figures are a lot more practical for a game room because you know. I've been fortunate enough to have a game room in our house, but it's a, it's a tiny room. So, you know, you, you start adding uh, all those or hanging all those box figures around, you're going to run out of room very quickly. So there's definitely a lot of advantages to having the loose figures. So, And, and, and you know what? I don't even know why I want them boxed because I'm not going to sell them, you know? I, right, I, I, right. I guess it's just to look at because I love the, the you know, the art on the cards and everything, but um, I just – I don't know. It's just one of those things. I want to do it, and I don't even know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm the same way that you are. I love the cards, the 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 back uh, cardboard card that the the figure comes in. Yeah, that's the really cool part to me. And it stinks because whenever you open up the package, you it always you know removes some of the ink or some of the artwork on it when you yeah, open it up. I agree. I know. You know what I wish? Um, that's the only reason. The only thing I don't like about open ones is that you don't get the weapons and you don't get the the back card. Sometimes you can find the weapons, but you almost never find just the packaging, really. And I wish that there was a website mm-hmm. where they scan in the backs of the cards of all these uh, of all the figures. That would oh, be really cool. I'd love like, to see that. Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. Just high def pictures of the box, a scan of the box, and then that'd be good for me because. I like seeing the box, but I'd rather have the figures out where you can... Uh... We could just hang the pictures of the box all around the room. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. just make a big poster. <laughs> uh-huh. The best of both worlds. We can play with the figures and hang up the box art. <laughs> there we go. All right. Awesome. Pork rind. Pork rind. Well, shall we get to the comics, my good man? Yes. Let's go to the comics. All right. Let's do it. It looks like you're the one who needs to be taught a lesson, pal. All right, well, today I think we're going to be focusing on the Image 1996 
issue one Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic book. I think before we talk about the comic itself, I think I just want to give a real quick overview the volumes of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, because I know it can get very confusing because there are so many different versions of the Turtles. We'll just talk about the four main volumes and, of course, the, the new uh, current volume. So, well, the first volume, which we discussed in episode one, it began in May of 1984, and it lasted uh, all the way to August of 1993. And that was you know, primarily written by Eastman and Laird. Uh, there were other writers that came on, especially later in the first volume, but, you know, obviously that was still the original creators were directly part of it. Volume 2 only lasted about 13 issues, and that uh, ran from October of 1993 to October of 1995. Um, and one of my favorite writers for that volume was Jim Lawson. He, he pretty much, I think he wrote just about every issue of that series. And then that takes us to today's volume, which is considered volume three, which spanned about 25 issues. Uh, two were unreleased, but that went from June of 1996 to October of 1999, and Gary Carlson was the writer of the series we're going to be talking about today. Uh, there was a fourth volume, which had 31 issues that spanned from December 2001 all the way to October of 2010. Uh, and again, Laird had come back and was, you know, directly involved. Um, I think Eric Talbot uh, was another writer, and uh, Jim Lawson was a writer uh, for this series. And then that takes us all the way to the current launch, or pretty much a relaunch, which is the IDW series after Mirage had uh, sold the rights to, I guess, Nickelodeon. So far, we're into, I think it's, what, 23 issues now? Yes, uh, 23 monthly issues uh, were released. There was a 24th, but it wasn't officially released. I don't know uh, if it's possible to see that one or not. I think I think uh, there may be some scans of it or, or something online, but uh, yeah, it, it wasn't actually released. So we had 23 monthly issues that uh, apparently were frequently uh, late, which is why they span three years instead of two and only uh, 23 issues. Okay, it was supposed to be monthly, but it took longer. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I didn't know uh, when you first talked about the Image series uh, that it was actually Volume 3. You're like, oh, we're going to look at the Image comics. I'm like, okay, well, you know, we've got Mirage, which is the original, and then Image, I don't know who they are, but because uh, I'm not really a comic guy, I know they have other series. But I was like, oh, I figured it was a completely different series altogether, which it kind of is when you read it, but uh, it's interesting that it was part of uh, the actual volume of the original series. I checked it out on... Uh, two different websites, mutantnews.org and comicvine.com. Really great sites with lots of information. And I found out that they are actually uh, no longer considered official TMNT canon, due in part to lack of desire by the co-creator, uh, Peter Laird, to follow up on material in which, with which he was not directly uh, involved, nor did he approve directly. So yeah, that kind yeah. of explains why this is different. Yeah, I mean, you, you go to read, especially the first issue, and, and I ha this is the first time I've read any of the Image series. Very different. It's very different from what you're probably used to with the Mirage series. And this first issue, uh, it came out in June of 1996. Um, the writer was Gary Carlson. The penciler was uh, Frank Fosco. Uh, the inker and editor and uh, cover art was uh, done by Eric Larson. Do you have any? Did you have any thoughts on uh, on the cover? Yeah, yeah. I mean, right away from the cover, the cover art it looks very different from what we're used to. Like the turtles are much bigger, you know. The impression was it, when you look at them, the, the heads of the turtles they're very round on top, 
and they're showing a lot of teeth. And uh, particularly if you look at Raph, his face takes me straight to the the live action movie of Super Mario Brothers. The Goombas. Have you seen that movie? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Take it for what it is, but that's usually not a good thing because that that movie is uh, it, it's something. I'll it's interesting. It <laughs> Michelangelo's spinning nunchucks. They when I first looked at the cover, I didn't re- I didn't see his nunchucks. I thought they were CDs. <laughs> they look like they look like audio CDs, and I was like, oh, what is this? Uh, this is strange. But uh, yeah, the, the Raph looks totally ripped though. If you look at him. He's flexing his arms. I mean, he is. His arms are huge. So it, yeah, it's very different. Uh, different type of look for the turtles on the cover, and even Leonardo's arm. He's he's lifting up his katana. It looks pretty beefy. Yeah, yeah. They must work out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. You, I mean, you notice right from the get-go, at least with the cover, that uh, this is going to be quite different. And then you open up to the first page, and you see Donatello being shot. And it's just like, what, what? <laughs> you know, like we, we were talking in the last episode about how the first issue talk, um, the first issue starts with so much action. Well, this one even beats that one to the punch. There's no dialogue whatsoever. The first thing you see is Donatello being shot. And it just kind of takes you by surprise. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. So I'm, like I've said, I'm pretty new to comics. And sometimes I struggle with telling what is going on in the, in the frame mm-hmm. when there's not a lot of color. Well, not any color. It's all black and white here. Yeah. So when I first opened up the page, I was like, whoa, it looks like a blinding explosion. I mean, I, I couldn't tell what was going on. Yeah. Uh, and then later you found out that he's, he's shot. But it's it's a really intense intense first page it's a full page as well yeah so i mean it's just right in your face boom right and that's not what you're used to seeing in a ninja turtles comic at least from what i've seen so far where this is the very first episode or the very first issue uh of the series and right away one of the turtles is is seriously injured the very first thing you see it's it's really interesting yeah i i definitely agree and and apparently this whole kind of issue centers around Donatello. Um, it, apparently, it was his birthday, uh, and 18th birthday. So that the, we see here that the Ninja Turtles are barely teenagers anymore. You know, they're they're almost adults now. Uh, again, because you know, I'm used to them being you know the party animal, um, you know, 13, 14 year old teenagers, and to see that they're practically adults now. And then you find out in Volume Four that they're in their 30s. It's like, well, why do they even have the you know, teenage part of the title anymore, but, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like you're saying in this issue, it's the Turtles' birthday party, which uh, is, it's funny, the, the first episode of the 2012 series, they, it's their mutation day or their birthday. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, this is kind of a, a, a theme that goes throughout the, the cartoon series and the comic books. But uh, in this one, it says it's their 18th. And in the 2012 uh, cartoon first episode, it's their 15th. And in the number one, uh, the first comic of the original series, it's the 13th. And in the movie, it's he said he starts with 15 years ago. So we've got a lot of different time spans, but this is uh, the latest one of of anything that I've seen so far. You'll see it's a little, I think, darker and more serious. And uh, maybe that's why. You know, it's this is it's three years into the turtles have have been out there fighting crime and they're experienced. So uh, it's a bit different. 
And another thing, you know, talking about the seriousness of the comic books, um, I know a little bit about uh, Image Comics because I was a huge fan of another comic uh, called um, Wildcats. Uh, and Grifter um, was a main character in that series that uh, went on to have, you know, his own, his own series and everything. Um, just kind of an iconic character um, that is synonymous with uh, that publishing company. But anyways, the whole art style, at least in the 90s for Image, was, you know, these super beefed up dudes, muscles on top of muscles. Uh, so, and you kind of see a little bit of that in this series, you know, you know, over the top muscularity and uh, over the top action scenes and everything. I think it's, it suits the Ninja Turtles very well, uh, you know, that it does that. But, uh, you know, the only thing I, I guess I don't like is because you have these super beefy, dudes and uh, you know because you have all these different things going on there's a lot going on in these pages sometimes because it's in black and white it's a little bit disorienting because there's so much going on each page i don't know if that's maybe for people who read uh comics all the time maybe it's easier for them i don't know i'm i'm a novice comic book reader but i had the same problem where it is sometimes really tough to tell what's going on and uh going back to what you were saying about the um the art style uh on page two if you look, I think it's uh, I think it's Michelangelo with the birthday hat on. I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have a bandana on uh, at all. I know it's kind of strange, isn't it? If you look at him, yeah, and I just the head looks it looks really weird. If you looked at just the head without the body, if you isolated the head, you wouldn't know it was a Ninja Turtle, which I think is kind of weird. They just look strange without their bandanas on. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, they do. In Leo's face, looks it doesn't even really look like a turtle when no. he's saying "look out." You're like, "What? What is that?" <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really the only ones. The only person wearing his uh, bandana is Raphael. <laughs> if you look really closely, it looks like an angry bird. Well, <laughs> I yeah. do like uh, I do like his side though. In in that frame and also on the cover. Yeah. Particularly on the cover, they're really thin, and just. Just the scowl on his face and how thin they are, it's just, it's really ominous and kind of almost creepy. Yeah, and I like the way he's holding them, too. He's, yeah. He's kind yeah. of a guy like the, the blades tucked in between his fingers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, so anyway, so they're celebrating Donatello's birthday, uh, 18th birthday, and then all of a sudden these cyborgs show up. You know, and, and Raph goes, oh, one thing, I, there's nothing I hate more than cyborgs, so apparently they've run into him before. <laughs> you know, on... They have run into him before, but not these particular cyborgs, which is interesting, because Splinter specifically asks Leonardo if he knows who they are or have seen them before, and he says he's never seen him before in his life. So, yeah, apparently, uh, I, I'm, that's is it interesting. I wonder where else they ran into the cyborgs. It might be. I wonder if uh, they're referring to uh, to Krang, where they're kind of in in the mechanical bodies or whatever. Yeah, and we are kind of taking this issue out of context. Bottom line is we wanted to find something from the late 90s, you know, around this, close to the same time that the, the cartoon was coming out. You know, it's still, oh gosh, probably about seven years off from the 2003 cartoon. I think this is actually loosely related to the second volume. Um, like, I, I think this is a continuation from the second volume. Uh, and maybe there were cyborgs in that volume. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, it's it's not really a problem to look at this one uh, out of order. Out yeah, of it's a standalone, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not really part of the canon anyway, since uh, uh, Peter Liard wasn't involved with it, so it's, it's kind of a one-off. And it's kind of funny because when I started looking at this and I was like, yeah, artwork is different, It's and we'll get more into the storyline as we go on, mm -hmm. and... You know, for the first couple of pages, I'm trying to decide whether or not I like this. And then, you know, that's when I realized, oh, this is the third volume. I was like, oh, 
I hope this doesn't correspond to the third movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, thankfully not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if we do a green screen on that one, it's going to be probably the best green screen. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, I agree. Okay, so the cyborgs, they crash the party. Uh, the turtles try to fend them off while, uh, while Splinter tends to Donatello. One of the cyborgs come in, and Raphael cuts his arm off. Um, and, and I guess these cyborgs are like half human, half robot. Um, and so Raphael cuts his arm off with a sigh, and the, the arm starts growing back. And so what does Raph do? He cuts off his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I so, thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking, holy cow, this is violent. So Raph cuts off the the, um, the cyborg's head, and then um, all of a sudden, a mysterious lady shows up. Um, what was her name again? Was it Pimiko or Pimiko? Yeah, I believe it's I believe it's Pimiko. Yeah. Pimiko. Yeah, yeah, and um, she shows up and she holds Splinter hostage, and apparently, I guess she's drugged Splinter somehow. Yeah, they don't actually show her drugging him, but she she says that uh, I too am a ninja. While there is no honor in killing a drugged opponent, I will not hesitate to slit his mangy throat if you interfere. So yeah. she she drugged him, and you can see in her right hand it looks like she has some kind of a hypodermic needle type gun deal. Yeah. So I guess I guess she drugged him, and Splinter's drooling drooling a little bit there. So. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. Yeah, look at that. He's got a little bit of sliding off there. <laughs> yeah. Did, yeah. did you notice uh, in the middle of that frame at the bottom, uh, the four turtles and the? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what what that is? That's a wasn't that a gift? For that Don was Tello? a gift from Splinter. Yeah, <laughs> I, w I wanted to go back real quick to the cyborgs. Oh yeah. Uh, where, when, when he cut off his arm, um, they actually explain how it grows back, which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, so the cyborg says. Uh, you think I'm defeated, fool? Already my cybernetic armor has cauterized the wound and injected painkillers and adrenaline into my bloodstream. The organic metal cells replicate replicate to replace lost mass. And finally, symbiotic organism grows me a prosthetic hand based on my own DNA. <laughs> so it's uh, it's kind of a little bit of a left field crazy, uh, crazy idea, but it seems basically like... I mean, I guess you could call them cyborgs, but it almost seems more like it's it's an armor that you go into that does all this. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, it was kind of kind of interesting that they explained all that. And then it just kind of cracks me up after he explains everything. Raph just cuts his head off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, he's like, oh, I'll try to grow this back. Yeah. <laughs> I liked his line after that. So, Raph cuts his head off, and then in the next scene, Michelangelo starts going to work, and I think it's Raph when they, they finally knock one of them over and he goes, nice work, Mikey. Beat his brains in. And I was like, whoa. Oh my gosh. really dark. I was yeah. just like, man. These aren't the turtles I grew up with. <laughs> I know. I was like, beat his brains in? Jeez, that's, that's pretty intense. Yeah. Raph's an angry uh, turtle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, when Pimiko shows up, she, she grabs Donatello and she grabs Splinter. And uh, the turtles, they try to chase after her and everything and try to make it to the surface and everything. Uh, she's apparently hitched a ride with a helicopter, so she makes her escape. Uh, on page 11, uh, I, I have to mention this, uh, page 11, uh, it's, I, I don't know if they're on the helicopter right now in this particular scene, but uh, one of the cyborgs says, the rat is still in dreamland, but I think that the turtle has bled to death. He's not moving. Yeah, he picks up Donatello's head, and you just see blood dripping from his head. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's he's co completely covered in blood. Yeah, it's, it's just really dripping boring. off of him. Yeah, yeah. and uh, 
And I mean, you know, as you and I, that's our favorite turtle, man. <laughs> you know, so I, I'm like, whoa. Yeah, I was like, oh man, he better not die. I'll be mad. <laughs> I know, and it's just it's like I said earlier, it's really shocking to just see. We're we're only on page eleven of the first issue of this volume, and right. already we're thinking one of the turtles is dead. So right, it's yeah, very Don- different. Yeah, Donatello's clinging on to life, you know. So, anyways, so the helicopter, Pamiko takes uh, Donatello and she takes Splinter uh, in the helicopter. And while Donatello's barely clinging on to life, he has this flashback of earlier on in the, in the day. Uh, it's a flashback to Splinter actually talking to them and talking about how much uh, he, he basically loves them and how he he hopes that he will never outlive the turtles. Uh, that he will go, as, as a matter of fact, it says here. Uh, I will go happily when my time expires, but I worry. I know you often feel alienated, that you're, f- that you fear there is no place for you in this world. All of my accomplishments, I take the most pride in you four both as sensei and father. Your lives will be what what you make of them. My gift to you today is a view of a life that could have been. Uh, and then he goes, "Behold, your lives untouched by the mutagen." So he he reveals just a bowl of uh, regular turtles. <laughs> so. Um, which is kind of a neat message, you know, it's almost like, all right, you guys feel like you're cursed, but really this is what your life could have been like. I thought that was pretty neat, yeah. And it, it, to me, the uh, the message I got from it was every day that you have is kind of a gift because you guys are special. You right. know, this is what you could have been, but you guys are special and I'm proud of you. So it, it was, yeah, kind of a sentimental message, but really neat. And I thought it was interesting that they got sort of sentimental like that, even yeah. though they... Uh, the, the series is pretty, so far, pretty violent and dark. Yeah, yeah. The, the, by far, my favorite part of this com, uh, this this issue is what Splinter says to them and that message about the, you know, the, the ordinary turtles in contrast of what they've turned out to be and, you know, the potential that they have. There, However, there's something that happens in that flashback and there's something that um, I think happened earlier on in this issue. I'm going to talk about the end, you know, when I talk about my overall feelings about this comic book and you might have noticed it as well there's one thing that really bothers me about this issue and uh i guess we'll wrap up the plot before we talk about it but (laughs) okay yeah so anyways is now did i understand this correctly when uh they're they're flying away donatello he has that flashback it's almost like he's dreaming and then he wakes up and a cyborg's in his face do him and another cyborg like fight and pamiko kicks them both out of the plane yeah i know pamiko is uh is warning I don't know if there's one or two cyborgs in the um, in the helicopter, but she's warning them. She's telling them, you know, these guys are very dangerous because she's a ninja herself, and she understands that if Splinter or Donatello wakes up and, you know, they're not paying attention, you know, they could probably kill them all. So she's warning them about that, and, um, and one of the cyborgs goes, this turtle is alive after all, Pamiko. Uh, and then, yeah, it looks like there's a, a struggle between the cyborg and between Donatello, and the cyborg goes, uh, I'm trying, but it's got my gun. Fool, stop him. And it looks to me, uh, Pamiko, you can see her her hand is moving, so I think she kind of jarred the, uh, she jarred the helicopter and turned it on its side to make them fall out of the, uh, the side, um, you know, the opening in the helicopter where the door would be, and it looks like, yeah, she basically ejected them out of the, uh, out of the helicopter by just turning the helicopter on its side. Right, right. So, you know, here you have this image of, you know, Donatello, you know, most likely falling to his death, and there's no closure on it. Like, um, does it it show him hitting the ground? 
Um, it doesn't show him. It doesn't show him hitting the ground. Um, and it looks like I, I think Pamiko. The reason she she turned it is she says these cyborgs are worse than useless. If that turtle gains control, all is lost. So I think she knew it was either I I flip this turtle out or you know or this is going to be it. And uh, she says that makes this one expendable. Right. So that's that's why she did it. And yeah, it it does show it shows. Donatello and the cyborg falling, and one of the uh, the, I think it's, uh, but on uh, page 15 I believe it is, you can see Donatello falling in the bottom right hand corner of the page. It's a really interesting drawing. You are lo- Donatello's looking straight down, and uh, the the view of the of the comic is looking straight up at him. It took me a second to figure out that that's what's going on. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's just he's going straight down. And uh, he's saying this is definitely going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's it, it's a pretty significant fall. But yeah. I don't see him actually hitting the ground there. Do you? No, no. And, and yeah. that's one thing I actually do like about this issue. You don't get any closure on that. So you, it's like almost like it hooks you into that next issue. The thing by far that really ups- not upsets me, but the thing I don't like happens on the next page. What are the turtles doing? Uh, it looks like they're they're trying to figure out what's going on with this the cyborg. Right. It's like they're they're trying to handle the corpse, I guess. Right. And, uh, and it looks like Leonardo saying, uh, "Too bad Donatello's not here. He would have enjoyed taking a can opener to that right. mummy corpse." <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not so much that part that that it's it's right before that. The first slide you see, what is Michelangelo doing? Is it birthday cake? Yeah, he's eating birthday cake. Oh, it's like, I, I, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that later on. But yeah, I, I just wanted to tell you that. How okay, could they yeah, be that... so callous about it? You know that yeah. their, their brother's well, about dead. Gone, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their brother's about dead. The, the, their master's been taken. And here, next slide, Michelangelo's eating cake. He's still got his, his uh, hat on too. He's still got the birthday hat on. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna talk about that at the end of this review. But yeah. So anyway, so they so they go back to the cyborg, and believe it or not, that headless cyborg, and it's a bloody mess and everything. Uh, Raphael goes near it, and apparently the cyborg's still alive, uh, or at least it's trying to, I guess, regrow another head. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it looks like Raph says uh, armor, yes. Corpse, no. So. Uh, said the armor is keeping him alive for some reason. He's on life support. So it seems like the armor is almost, uh, I think they said it was an organism in uh, in the earlier. So the armor is kind of uh, a being on its own almost. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it, it seems to be uh, to have its own uh, intelligence uh, of some sort. So, the, yeah, they're trying to take it apart and uh, find out, well, you know, who took Donatello because they, they don't even know who it was. All they know is he got shot they were taken hostage and taken away so they don't really know where to go from here and they're looking for clues right so they decide they're going to dismantle this thing and uh yeah that's uh i think that's where your uh your least favorite part comes in well first of all Raph gets close to it and then all of a sudden the severed head and apparently the cyborg's name was wilson <laughs> uh the the severed head uh begins talking to Raph, and Raph just kind of shrugs it off and uh he's about to i guess destroy the body or take the body apart and all of a sudden, a laser beam just uh, hits Raph straight in the face. And the next scene, okay, uh, I think it's on page 19. Yeah, okay. So um, the, the laser beam hits Raph in the face, uh, and Raph kind of covers his face with his hands and everything. Um, and Leo 
uh, goes, hey, Raph, are you okay, man? Raph goes, I don't know, man. It fried my face. And then it says, it hurts, Leo. It hurts bad. And then it, it shows him removing his hands from his face. And it's this incredibly grotesque version of Raph's face. I mean, it burned off half his face. He looks like Two-Face from Batman. He uh, does. And yeah. it's funny that you mention that because when you look at his face, to me, it looks like he got shot in the face with, like, acid or something. Yeah, it's melted off, like, side of his face. And you can actually see all this, the skin from his eyelid is gone in one of his eyes. And all you see is this huge bulge eyeball uh, as side of his face. It's just very grotesque. And then Raph goes, how does it look? And then um, Michelangelo says, uh, you probably won't be voted the world's sexiest man this year, Raphael. But yeah. that bugs me. I, it, it bugs me, and, I, and I'm going to talk about it more <laughs> here in a minute. Here in a minute. But uh, let's just wrap up this plot real quick. <laughs> so uh, after after Raph's gifts, half of his face melted off, I guess. Yeah. Um, Leonardo uh, sees Master Splinter, and Master Splinter uh, appears to Leonardo in uh, astral form, and starts speaking to him and says, uh, "I was drugged. My body was unconscious. My mind are com- comatose. Fortunately, it is similar to the spiritual state I achieved during meditation, and my soul self was able to escape to the astral plane. So, uh, you know, it's it's sort of like an." Uh, the first Turtles movie, uh, where they're at the the ranch, and uh, Splinter appears to them. He, he's talking to them in a similar fashion. And as he's uh, sending this this message out and trying to inform Leonardo of where where he is, or at least his surroundings and everything, um, it it seems like Pamiko uh, notices that he's trying to send some kind of signal. And at first, and another thing I like about this is she gives a lot of respect and credit to the Turtles and to Splinter, you know, because they're ninjas. Uh, and that's a nice touch because a lot of times they're nothing compared to me. You know, they have like a superiority complex. Yeah. Um, well, in this one, she's giving a lot of credit and a lot of respect to these uh, Ninja Turtles. And she goes, wow, that's like a, I don't know, what did she say? Like stage four of a ninja training or I forget what it is. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was funny that she put a number on it. Yeah. It just seemed, yeah. That was, that was kind of funny. He's leveled up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah There's just some arbitrary scale of ninjiness or something. Right. Right. <laughs> And uh, so she kind of like uh, she commands one of the other cyborgs to knock uh, Splinter out of it, uh, and that kind of ends the astral vision or message that uh, Leonardo receives from Splinter. And that's that's it. And and you just see Leonardo. The last uh, pane of the um, comic book issue is uh, Leo just looking completely panicked and says he's gone. With that said, what did you think of this crazy issue? I didn't really know what to expect. I'd heard that the Image series was uh, a one-off, and, you know, some people like it, some people don't. And I just came into it thinking, well, uh, let, let's find out what this is all about. And by the time you get to the end of the issue, you know, Donatello has been mortally wounded, Splinter's been captured, Raph has half of his face melted off, and it just ends on a really dark and down ending. Uh, I like that, like you're saying, Pamiko seems to hold the Ninja Turtles in high regard, showing that they are capable and dangerous, uh, but they pretty much got their butts kicked. And uh, I I really don't like the idea of Raph's face being disfigured, you know? I'm like, oh, man, is that going to heal? Is that going to get better? Like, oh, man, and you know, and, and you don't know. Donatello could be dead. We don't know. And it's just, yeah, it's it's very dark and different. I, for me, I really I don't like the art style of the turtles. And that's just my opinion. Some people might, uh, like you're saying, they're they're bigger and beefier, but I don't like the shape of their heads. 
Um, I don't like that they're not wearing their bandanas. Um, to me, I just, I'm not crazy about the art style, but you know, like you were saying, you're from more familiar with the image comic series. So maybe that's just their art style and their take on it. You know, everyone's entitled to their own interpretation. Uh, but I'm not crazy about it. Uh, but the story, I think it's cool that the story is different. It takes things in a different direction. You know, um, you know, some people may think, well, how many stories and, and things can you have with the Ninja Turtles? Doesn't it get old? And this proves, you know, there's always another direction to go. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So out of one to 10, what would you give this? Uh, I'd give this one a six if it was up to me. Yeah. 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 You know, you brought up a lot of good points. Uh, I guess I'm in the same way. I, I do like, I do like the fact that the, um, main villain, Pamiko gives or holds the turtles in high regard. I not crazy about the artwork because it's a little disorienting. Um, I will give credit where credit's due. I do like the fact that, um, was it uh, Gary Carlson, the writer? Yeah, I do like the fact that Gary Carlson tried to do something completely different. And, you know, right away, this is completely different from anything we're used to. I like that. I like the storyline okay. The The thing that bothered me the most is how callous and how numb the Ninja Turtles are w- when something serious is happening. There's like, I, I wrote down there's like three different instances where something serious just happened and they're cracking jokes. Um, one, the first one I think of is, uh, I wrote it down, I, it's very early on in the story, um, it's right after Donatello gets shot, and Michelangelo, he's beating up cyborgs right after that, and he says, you dirty rat, you killed my brother, you know, and I'm thinking, he's cracking jokes while his brother might be dead, you know? Yeah. I don't like that, I, I, I don't like that, and then another thing um, is Michelangelo, when Splinter is pretty much spilling his heart out to the to you know his kids because this is like the 18th anniversary since um, he had found the the, cover, the turtles covered in news. He's pretty much saying, "Hey, I love you guys. I don't ever want to outlive you guys. I want you guys to be. You guys are extraordinary. And I want you to do extraordinary things." And Michelangelo is cracking jokes throughout the whole thing, talking about, oh, come on, Splinter, we all know you're going to outlive us, and stuff like that. And again, that's another instance where it could have been a touching moment that was ruined by a, a joke. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, they're turning 18, and he's giving them, you know, the the, the regular turtles, sort of like a, a rite of passage. Right, Passing yeah. the torch, you know, I'm not going to be around forever. Yeah. You know, yeah, and it, it was just, like you're saying, it, it sort of ruined the moment. So in, in as much as they made it, uh, sentimental and important, mm-hmm. you know, they almost ruined it, like you said, by throwing the joke in there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't like it that much either. Yeah. Uh, I have and to the, agree. And then, and then the last one where Raph gets his, uh, face half blown off and Michelangelo goes, well, you probably aren't going to win any awards for like, uh, being good looking. And I'm thinking, come on, man, you, your, your, uh, brother Donatello might be dead. Your master's been kidnapped. Your, another one of your brothers just got half his face blown off and you're cracking jokes. Uh, and, and then the most the the most frustrating thing was when Michelangelo was eating cake uh, after all this stuff had happened, like almost like it didn't matter. I understand that Gary Carlson was trying to create a serious story here, but when you're cracking jokes, it kind of takes it it kind of takes a little bit away from that. The way I kind of felt about it too was, you know, initially, you know, they're saying it's, it's their 18th birthday, so. Supposedly, if uh, if I am understanding this right, the turtles have been at this for about three years, which is a pretty good, de- decent amount of 
period of time mm-hmm. for them to be fighting crime. They're pretty experienced, which, you know, you could say, well, maybe that's why they're a little bit more callous, uh, jaded right. from all the action. But, you know, this kind of damage has never been dealt to the turtles before. You know, they've never been disfigured, to my knowledge. Right. You know, so I don't like the fact that they sort of brush it off, like you're saying. It's like they tried to to make a big deal about the fact that their face is melted off, but then they made a joke about it, like you're saying. So yeah. it's... Yeah, it it doesn't really it's not really consistent with uh I guess what I thought the theme should have been or Right. If those particular parts weren't in it, you know, with the with the humor um during situations that probably didn't deserve any humor, I would probably hold this comic a lot higher than I do. But because, you know, they make light of these serious situations, I've got to go with you. I got to go kind of low with the rating on this one. I'd say probably around a 6 as well. Just for that fact, I love what they were trying to do by being violent. I love what they were trying to do by adding a new villain uh, that kind of has respect for the Turtles. But I did not like the fact that they took things so lightly when it's trying to be a serious comic. So, uh, yeah, I I think maybe things change later on in this series, but I think overall right now it's okay. You know, it's not a bad comic. It's okay, and I appreciate what they're trying to do. But when they throw the jokes in there, it's like, well, you are more concerned about what's happening with the turtles than they are themselves. Right, exactly. Yeah, so that's that's. I felt the same way about it. Um, yeah. I think if those parts weren't in there, uh, you know, I might give it like a an 8 or something like that. You know, pretty more solid, but yeah, it's sort of a conflicting uh, message and, and viewpoint in, in the seriousness of the uh, issue. Uh, yeah, well, well said, man. Pizza power! Oh, with chameleon flips and dead tadpoles and hardly answers your mind that there's something better than this. I better sleep in a carrot. Maybe a seed from the parrot. Believe me when I tell you the words you're made of don't exist. But pizza power, applying salsa to delight. Pizza power, all that's what makes us feel alright. Let's get shell! All right, I guess it's time to get to our last feature, and that is the 2003 uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoon, the very first episode. So this this uh, cartoon was released on February 8, 2003, and it's titled Things Change. The story editor was Lloyd Goldfine. Uh, it was written by Michael Ryan, and the senior supervising director was Chuck Patton. I noticed the uh, creative director was... Uh... Peter Laird as well, which is, we'll get into that more later, but I thought that was really neat. That's a good and, sign. <laughs> uh, that is a very good sign. So the 2003 series uh, ran from February 8th, 2003 to February 28th, 2009. Uh, there was 156 episodes and seven seasons and one TV movie. Which was Turtles Forever, right? Yes, Turtles Forever. Oh, I can't wait and, to talk about that one. Yeah. <laughs> and in this series, uh, April is a lab assistant uh, to Baxter Stockman which I thought that's uh, from issue number two of the comic series, so it is definitely more accurate to the comic series. Um, and Baxter Stockman is uh, is African-American in the 2003 series as he was in the comic book series, uh, instead of being Caucasian like he was in the 87 series. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. And uh, in the 2003 series, I believe April actually learns uh, ninjutsu. So oh, cool. yeah, and she doesn't become a news anchor, so it's it's a lot different. And that kind of reminds you of the 2007 movie too, because yeah, she fights yeah. in that too. 
Man, I love that movie too. Oh, me too. I, mean, I yeah. can't wait to talk about that one too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So this 2003 series, I think both of us have said uh, we didn't really get into it initially. Uh, I didn't, and um, because of mainly other past experience, when a reboot comes out or a new series come out, you know, I always kind of uh, take it with a grain of salt. And with Turtles, I wasn't really paying attention at that point in time, what was new and what was out. I heard there was a new cartoon, I'm like, ah, there's a new one, meh, I like the old one. Right. And I really got into it or checked it out. But um, you know what, I'm really glad that I did. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, I actually, um, I remember when they were talking about it coming out. It was right before it had come out. And I was a huge fan of, you know, the original cartoon, obviously. And um, I was really excited to see it. And as a matter of fact, I did watch this when it first had come out. And I guess I, I was still really, really hoping it was just like the original. And when I had watched it for the first time, I was a little disappointed. It, I, I liked the fact that, yay, the Ninja Turtles are back. But it was it was very different from what I was used to. Let me ask you something. Had you the first comic by that time? Had I read the first comic? No. No, yeah, I had okay. That's that's a big difference for me. Exactly. Because the first time I watched this one for me was uh, actually just a couple nights ago. I had never seen any of these. Oh, and wow. my very first impression, because uh, I had just fairly recently, thanks to Retro Junkies, got into the comics. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> uh, and I had read the first issue, and right away the first thing i notice is oh my gosh this is exactly like the comic yes in here yeah I, I agree like now that now that i have read the comics or at least most of them um oh it's great it's great i i, I love this episode i mean and i think it's a nice blend of both believe it or not i i know this this definitely takes takes on a more serious note than the original cartoon but i think it's still got some humor in it that fans of the original cartoon would like but it's also written more in the style of the comic books, which fans of the comic books would like. So um, I, I really was pleasantly surprised at how good this is, what, 10 years later. So the episode starts off, uh, like I said, it's the exact same scene. Turtle backs are up against the wall. He was narrating, and they're saying uh, they're in a trash-strewn alley, and the, uh, the toughest gang on the east side... The Purple Dragons mm -hmm. are coming up against them. It's the exact same scene. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, um, nice nod to the original comic, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's spot on. And mm -hmm. even some of the words, trash-strewn alley, toughest gang on the east side, those are verbatim right out of the comic, which I thought was cool. Oh, awesome. And it, uh, they call them freaks, and they're like, oh, you guys shouldn't be on our turf, especially not wearing those stupid costumes. And Leonid, uh, I think it's Leonardo goes, we're not wearing costumes. That's exactly right out of the comic. And then it transitions to the intro uh, the intro song for the Turtles. Okay, what do you think about it? I liked it. You know, it's it's interesting that it doesn't it doesn't start like the 1987 series always starts with the theme song. This one it jumps right into whoa, you know, the turtles' backs are up against the wall. Right. And, you know, so I thought that that was neat. Um, I liked the intro song. It was pretty cool. Uh, I liked the, um, when they cut, they count down, so, you know, it starts off one, two, three, four, and then they're showing the turtles, and it drops in a, a picture of each one of the turtles mm -hmm. in a, uh, a vertical thing, and right away that made me think of the character selection screen on the arcade game. <laughs> hey, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, go Yeah, I, I, like, I like the song as well. Um, I, I think it was a little bit harder, and maybe it's just because I'm not used to it, but I think it's a little bit harder to sing along to. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, maybe it's just because I, I watched practically every episode of the original cartoon. Uh, so, I, you know, that, that song is, like, uh, seared into my brain. The, yeah, this, this one seems a little bit harder to sing along to, 
but uh, I do like the guitars in it, and I love the fact that they they um, you include Casey Jones in the introduction. I thought um, that was a nice touch. I like the part, watch out for Shredder. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. It's cool that they, they incorporated April, and I yeah. liked, so for me watching it the first time, I see Casey Jones, I'm like, oh, cool, he's going to be in the series. And then I see uh, April with red hair and in a helicopter, and my first thought was, this is a totally different take on April, but I can tell right away it's going to be closer to the comic. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, they're showing uh, at the at the end of the song, they're showing the turtles going through, looks like a, a pipe, you know, a sewer pipe, mm-hmm. and they're on different um, different things. And I thought it was kind of cool. Each one of the turtles has a different vehicle. So Donnie is on a bike, and uh, Leo is on a scooter, Michelangelo is on a skateboard, and Raph is on rollerblades. Like, oh, so, you know, they're kind of making a distinction between all the turtles. I thought that was cool. Oh, absolutely. And I love rap on the motorcycle as well, so that, that was pretty sweet. That Yeah, that is perfect for Raphael. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, they do the same thing in the 2007 movie. Yeah, well. that's right. Yeah. And I was like, yes, if, if anyone was going to be on a hog, it, it would definitely be Raphael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rap and Casey Jones or something. This series, and I did watch a little bit back then, I love Raph's character. And whoever was the voice actor for Raph, actually, I got it written down, Greg Abbey, he nailed Raphael to me. He's got the gruff voice. I love Raphael's character in this series. Right away, you already see some tension between Raph and Leo. I love that, too. And you're right, they totally nailed the voice acting. It's kind of raspy and gritty and thick but it's it's a tough guy voice it's a biker voice right <laughs> you know it's it's awesome so, yeah, so this goes to uh we go to the flashback of earlier in the storyline so episode starts about i think probably about halfway through the episode or so mm-hmm. uh goes to the theme song and then we go back to the beginning of the story of the episode and uh, right away it shows splinter and i noticed uh splinter is pretty much completely gray in this one mm-hmm. which i thought was interesting instead of brown or anything else and uh, he doesn't have an emblem on his robe. And to be honest, I, I really don't think I like the voice actor for Splinter for this one. It, it's funny you bring that up because uh, I have wrote down he sounds a lot younger. Yeah, and to me, I, I don't know, he, he sounds younger. It's strange because Splinter looks older because he's all gray. Right. Uh, and uh, I just kind of feel like the the voice is more forced and almost... It feels more fake. Like, you can tell someone's trying to sound like a Ninja Master instead of they actually are right. a Ninja Master. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Not, not to discredit the actor. I, I think, I'm sure he, he yeah. gave it his best. It's not terrible. It's just, to me, it's it's hard to stand up to the voice of Splinter in the original series. You know, oh, that it is. spot on. It is. Now, I will, I will say, I do like, I do like um, the new guy's take on Splinter. I, I don't know his name, but, um, you know, of course, Splinter's a lot younger in the 2012 cartoon. Um, oh yeah, I, I love uh, I love the 2012 Splinter. It's yeah, he's excellent. got a real deep voice. I, I I love everything about the 2012 Splinter. He's awesome. But yeah, th- even the colors and everything, he looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this one is okay, and I still like the character in this cartoon, uh, the 2003 cartoon. But I kind of agree. It seems like the, uh, the the voice is a little bit forced, and maybe it gets a little bit more natural sounding uh, later on. Uh, yeah. So we have Splinter, and it, it shows him training the turtles. And uh, so Splinter is uh, explaining to them, uh, you know, in order to be a true ninja, uh, you must become one with the shadows. And they're training, and he has a a candle at the end of his staff and tells them, um, you know, see if you can extinguish this flame on the candle without without showing, revealing yourself. 
So uh, the first one to attack is Donatello. And, of course, he runs by real quick and gets uh, passed aside and says, too noisy, Donatello. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, next it's Mikey. And Mikey uh, comes by and he, he misses as well. And he says, too clumsy, Michelangelo. And then Raphael comes, try to, tries to sneak up on him from behind and kind of leaps forward and misses him. And then you can see he gets kind of agitated and then he charges straight forward ahead at Splinter and he fails as well. And Splinter says, poor choice, Raphael. <laughs> and then uh, Leonardo drops down from above the ceiling and he succeeds. And uh, Splinter says, well done, Leonardo. Yeah, Leonardo's like Batman in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. That was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> And then so, I, I love I love how Raph and um, right after that Raph and uh, Leo kind of get on their first little spat. You know, Raph I goes that was cool. Yeah, Raph goes teacher's pet, and Leo goes ninja dropout. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so Splinter goes on to to tell them um, the reason that he's teaching them this is because the outside world will will not be friendly to them. So that that does it's a little bit different than the comic there because you know we're not he's not training them just to get. Uh, Shredder, he's training them for self-defense again. So it's a little bit of a mix of uh, the original motivation from the 87 series and the comic, uh, which I thought was pretty neat. They must learn ninjutsu in order to survive. Uh, they must learn to be telling them they need to be uh, to be stealthy uh, as ninjas in order to survive. Uh, and that they must become, and I, I believe it was pronounced uh, Kaji, mm -hmm. which means uh, shadow warriors. Right, yeah. Right I thought down. that was cool that he specifically says, uh, you know, what, which type of ninja or variety or whatever. Um, I thought that was kind of neat that they gave a little specificity to that. Uh, and he says, you must not be discovered by the outside world. And as he's giving his speech, Michelangelo is trying to catch a fly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, right away you kind of see Michelangelo's character. You know, already he's the goofball, and he, he gets even worse uh, uh, throughout the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> or I should say he gets even better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as Splinter's uh, is trying to uh, to teach them a lesson, and then all of a sudden uh, it starts shaking, and they hear a bunch of noise, and like, what is that? An earthquake? And Donatello goes, "In New York? That's unlikely." And then, and then the Mausers start start coming through the walls, mm -hmm. and I thought that was kind of cool because, so instead of telling him he's training them to kill Shredder, you know, it's self defense. Right. So that's we're not going. We pay homage to the uh, first issue at the beginning of the episode with the purple dragons mm -hmm. but then we skip shredder and it goes right into issue number two with the mausers of the comic book so i thought that was kind of cool that they split it up yeah that is true yeah good point and then but but according to mikey they're new york cockroaches yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was cool so yeah the, the mausers start coming through the walls and it causes uh they start attacking the supports of their their sewer Lair, mm -hmm. and uh, the roof caves in, and the turtles get separated from Splinter because uh, because of the cave in. So Splinter's on one side, and the turtles are on the other. And I I, I love this next scene where uh, you know Donato tries to call Splinter. Yeah, yeah, he goes, uh, "Where's Splinter? Let's call him on the shell cell." <laughs> <laughs> I gotta give me one of those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then uh, you know, so Donatello calls him, and then uh, Splinter uh, he opens up the phone and stuff on the other side of the rubble and everything, and and uh, you know goes back to Donatello trying to talk to Splinter, and you hear Splinter going, "Hello, how do you answer this thing?" <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Stupid device, what button do I have to push?" And he goes, "You don't have to push a button; it's already on." That was, that was great. I liked. It. And then Mikey goes, "Hey, did he mention me?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so bottom line is, yeah, they they, uh, they have this huge barrier between them, and now the turtles, the whole 
plot of this uh, story begins where the turtles need to get to the other side to, to get back to Splinter. So they got to actually go to the surface, uh, find another manhole, uh, and get down and uh, rescue Splinter. Well, things kind of change um, as they, they get to the surface. They're climbing up the ladder to get to the manhole, and as they're climbing up the ladder, uh, I think Raph goes out, and he climbs a pole, and Leo's got his head sticking out, and he's looking around, and, and Michelangelo goes, uh, Leo, move it, Leo. I don't want to have to stare at your butt the, uh, any longer than I have to. I <laughs> yeah. thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was good. So Raph goes out, he climbs a telephone pole, and it kind of um, the camera just kind of sets on him for a second and shows him uh, on, the, on the pole, kind of uh, in a shadowy figure with a... His uh, his bananas going in the wind. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, reminding cool me shot. of uh, the rooftop, you know, kind of scene where he's just kind of lurking and lingering. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he spots the next manhole cover, and he goes over. He's like, "All right, we found it." And they're going to they're going to get to the next manhole cover so they can get down and get Splinter. And a uh, an armored truck pulls up and parks right on top of it, so he can't get to it. Mm-hmm. And then you see uh, a bunch of the purple dragons go into a building. It sounds like they're going to rob the building. Raph's, he's so, like, frustrated that it's over the, the nearest manhole cover, so he goes to kick the truck, and then um, Leo goes, hey, way to be stealthy, Raph. And then uh, Michelangelo goes, yeah, I don't think they heard you over in Joyzy. <laughs> 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 yeah, what, what the guys do, uh, the, the Purple Dragons, they come back out of this store, and, uh, and uh, you're right, they, they rob the place, and they come out with a whole bunch of duffel bags full of money, and Raph, he panics. So the first thing he does, he tries to hide in the first location he can find, and that happens to be the back of the truck. And Leonardo goes, yeah, Leonardo goes, poor choice, Raph. Yeah. <laughs> so it's cool. They threw back to Splinter's, uh, what Splinter said earlier in the Yeah, episode. yeah, exactly. So, so Raph jumps in there and stuff, and the Purple Dragons, they drive off with Raph in the truck. They don't know he's in there. He's kind of like hiding at the, the top of the inside where, uh, where they can't find him. Yeah, he pulled a Batman like Leo did. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, then, the. Leonardo, Michelangelo, and Donatello are trying to chase the uh, the armored car or van or whatever it is uh, because they know Raph is inside. So it shows them going across the rooftops, and that, again, was a throwback to the original comic. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. It's pretty dark. And uh, one thing I noticed about this series in general, the overall animation um, feel to me, it feels like almost like an anime. Uh, <laughs> it does, mixed, yeah. Mixed with comic. And it's really interesting. So the yeah, backgrounds, yeah. to me, if you took the turtles out and you just looked at the background, it, you would think you're looking at comic panels. Right. And did you notice the color of the sky? It's red. I love yeah. that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. But to me, um, so it's sort of a mix of almost like comic book backgrounds and anime characters is the way I kind of look at it. And until you until you realize that that's what they're going for, initially I was looking at it and in a lot of scenes – It'll be a static background, and then the characters move around on it. And to me, it felt like cheap animation. Like, they didn't put a lot of effort into it. Because, you know, in the uh, in the original series, if you've got, say, the four turtles when they're walking down the street to buy the costumes or whatever, the background is scrolling. And you've got things going on in the background. And it's very active, and it feels more alive. And in the 2003 series, it really, the backgrounds are static in a lot of shots. Background's the same characters move in so it feels much different and at first i thought of it as cheap but then when i realized the art style it's more oh that's almost like a comic background so i thought that was really neat 
Right, and and it's, you know, it's just speaking about like the voice actors and stuff. I I don't know if they intentionally did this, but most of the voice actors had a lot of experience in anime. Um, I, I looked at a lot of their um, their their stuff. A lot of them were either you know in Pokemon or um, Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, some were in um, like Slayers. You know, those are all popular animes. Uh, you know, Don, Donatello, um, Sam Regal, Wayne Grayson, uh, Michael Tremaine, Sinner Nicholas. I guess that's how you say it. Scotty Ray, uh, Mark Thompson, Veronica Taylor, Darren Dunstan. Uh, Greg Abbey, these guys were all voice actors in anime, so you definitely see a lot of similarities between this show and anime, which is a good thing. It's a nice, it's a different take. Uh, I, I like it. It's it's nice it's, that it's different. So so they're they're trying to follow this truck over the, on the rooftops, and they they manage to find the truck when it finally stops. Uh, the purple dragons, uh, uh, they go. I guess they go inside another building. Mm-hmm. Or uh, yeah, they go inside another building, and they didn't open the back of the truck yet, so Raph is still locked in there, and the turtles come upon the van, and then uh, Mikey sees Raph inside, and Raph's pounding on the window <laughs> saying, "Let me up!" And then Mikey's like, "I can't hear you." Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh that. And, that... and then Raph like nails the door really loud. He's like, okay, I can hear you now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was his name? Two Ton. He was one of the purple dragons that was. Oh yeah. That was yeah. gonna guard the truck. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and then uh, Michelangelo, he says, "Oh, you forgot to pay your uh, parking ticket or something like that," and kicks him in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's your fine or whatever. Yeah. And then he kicks him. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. If there's a, if there's an action figure of two ton from the Purple Dragons, I will buy him. Yeah, he was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that name. Yeah. <laughs> of course, he was a bigger boy, so I guess. He was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but def- so- definitely Michelangelo gets what's coming to him when he taunts Raph. Oh yeah, yeah. That's it's awesome. Later, as soon as they open the truck, rack goes straight for Michelangelo. It's pretty good. But uh, before they open the van, it actually goes back to a scene of Splinter fighting the Mausers, um, mm-hmm. and it kind of shows him struggling. So you know that that's going on at the same time. Um, and I really like that, so, by the way. You know, it, it, you see that a lot in this series where it'll go from the Turtles, then it'll go to Splinter, then it'll go to April or Shredder. I love the different layers. You know, at the same time, you know, for the storylines. I like that. So it goes back to the turtles, and Donnie hotwires the lock on the back of uh, the truck, and then you know Raph comes busting out and goes straight for Michelangelo. <laughs> he get back at him for teasing him. Um, right when that happens, the purple dragons come out, and uh, you know or, uh, Leo tells Raph, "Hey, we don't have time for you guys to be fighting. We gotta we gotta take care of the purple dragons." So then I think this is where the beginning of the episode had started. The purple dragons come out, and the uh, the it's a it's a pretty good battle, but the the turtles take them down pretty quickly, and they end up running away. Yeah, and Raph goes, "Boy, I hope there are more of those guys." And that kind of reminded me of the scene in the film, the uh, 1990 film, where he Raph's got the apple. He's like, "Boy, I sure hope there are more of them." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or when when uh, he's on the rooftop and they're ganging up on him, he's like, "Hey, how do you guys expect to beat me?" Yeah, yeah. And they all show up. Oh, good answer. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So yeah, the the uh, the Foot Clan appears, and uh, the first thing I noticed, I was like, "Oh, these are actually ninjas." People. Yeah, people. Yeah, oh, that's the first thing I noticed, and they're they're fast. Yeah, and yeah, I thought that was really cool because, uh, you know, they start fighting, and in one of the scenes, uh, Raph is fighting a group of them, and he goes, "Oh, nice dragon punch." Yeah, he compliments punch. her technique. Yeah, I love that. So because they're trained, they're both trained, you know, but from the same original, I guess, the Foot Clan. Um, way of fighting right. you know he recognizes some of the methods i thought that was cool that uh the the foot clan are also you know full-blown 
you know, traditionally trained ninjas as well. Yeah. And in another scene, one of the foot soldiers actually ends up running on the wall, like on uh, the side of the wall. Oh, I love that part. Yeah, and I was like, man, these are like full-blown ninja dudes, like completely not robots. Yeah, and they're actually giving the turtles a run for their money. You know, the, uh, Mikey, he, he goes to Donnie. Donnie's like hiding in the truck or something like that. He's like, hey, uh, hey, Donnie, please tell me we're winning this fight. <laughs> Yeah, hey, hey, are we beating them or are they beating us? Yeah, that's what it was, yeah. <laughs> Don't ask, hey, uh, ask me again when we're winning. Yeah. They go into the van and they close the door and then there's like 10 shirk and they get thrown in the door handle. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I thought that was cool because it, it kind of reminds me of the the original comic with the rooftop fight, the first encounter with the Foot Clan, where the turtles get cut up a little bit and they actually did have a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh it's after um, you know the comment about hey uh, ask me again when we're winning. Then it cuts back to uh, to Splinter, and the Mausers eat the floor from beneath Splinter, and he ends up falling into a, a lower chamber within the sewers. Mm-hmm. And then so Splinter hits the ground, and he he gets up, and he he starts walking into another chamber, a new room, mm-hmm. and all you see is this white light, and he's walking towards it, and he kind of has this look of amazement on his face, and then it cuts back to the turtles. Yeah, I didn't know what was happening right there, you know, at that moment. Yeah, I'm like, uh, is there a train coming towards it? That's or? what I thought. I thought there was something down there, but you know, yeah. you find out later on, you know, what it is. But that took that threw me for a loop. Yeah, so uh, the finish, uh, the the turtles uh, finally finish uh, their fight, and uh, actually, uh, well, they, they didn't really finish the fight. Donatello ends up uh, hot wiring the car so they can escape from the Foot Clan. So they they actually didn't completely defeat the Foot, which I thought was interesting. Um, they get in the van and they escape, and uh, on their during their escape, uh, Michelangelo's making some comments about Donatello's driving, <laughs> which I thought was funny. And then uh, Michelangelo's like, man, those guys were actually ninjas in New York City, and they're not us. That's just not right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Raph goes, well, speaking of not right, and he finds a bag of money. Uh, so then they take the money and they chuck it out the window on top of uh, the windshield of a police car. Right. <laughs> and I love the rookie cop. He's like, did you see that? And then, and, and then the other guy goes, rookie. Uh, so then the turtles, I don't know how, but somehow they drive into the sewer. It, it kind of reminds me of some of the later episodes, you know, where they have that grate that folds down and they drive the turtle van in. Oh, yeah, that's right. Maybe some sort of a drainage pipe. In any case, they drive the van in and uh, and then Splinter shows them what he found. Yeah, and it, and it, what is it? Is it like an old train station, an old abandoned train station or subway uh, station? See. I'm not sure what that was. I think he did say, I think they made a comment about what type of room it was, but um, I can't remember. But So Splinter, they drive up, and Splinter, he, they're telling him, oh, you know, what happened with their battle. And he goes, oh, you know, I want to show you something. Walk this way. And he starts walking with his cane, and then <laughs> Michelangelo uh, pulls out Groucho Marx and starts walking like Splinter does. <laughs> kind of hunched over, and then F hits him. I thought that was funny. <laughs> so they get into this, uh, it looks like some kind of a, a chamber of some sort. Uh, in my mind, it's kind of shaped like an octagon, and there's several levels. Right, like yeah. Rooms. Yeah, I thought that was kind of neat, and uh, right away, Michelangelo runs over to the room and goes, this room's mine! <laughs> and he finds out, that one's mine, too! <laughs> then Splinter uh, tells him, well, uh, why don't you guys clean this place up for a change? Yeah. And then so, he says, um, and he says a line that I think is a whole kind of theme of this episode. He says, uh, change is good. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, you, you look at this whole 
cartoon episode, it's certainly a lot different from what we're used to, but in a good way. You know, yeah. I, I think they knew exactly what they were doing, and obviously the title of the episodes, things change. So yeah. I think that was definitely intentional. Almost breaking the uh, fourth wall. And, yep. Yeah, just right to the audience. <laughs> and uh, the last scene is it shows a, a large tower, a building with a tower, um, with the symbol of the Foot Clan, which is different than the original series, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, this one's interesting. Uh, it's sort of a red color. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's a lot different. And now, is this in New York City? This, it looks like a dojo on top of a skyscraper in New York City. Yeah, it does, yeah. And it's really interesting. So it, it zooms in on it, and it shows the, uh, I guess, the supposed leader of the Purple Dragons talking to uh, talking to a ninja master, which I assume is Shredder, but I'm not really sure. That's kind of how I feel. I, I kind of put, like, a Rokusaki maybe. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? And so he goes, uh, I'm sorry, Master, I won't fail you again. These these crazy karate frog creatures showed up. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and then uh, uh, the Ninja Master goes, I know you won't. And he has uh, an evil Dr. Claw laugh. <laughs> and uh, and then it, it, it just kind of zooms out with, uh, with him laughing with this maniacal laughter. Yeah, and the guy screams almost like you're led to believe that he was killed. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of dark. So I would, th I would, you know, if I were a betting man, I'd say that was Rokusaki. I mean, because you know that this is the first episode in what eight years since the original cartoon was canceled or had gone off air. Um, I, I just think they're gonna pull out all the stops. You know, they're they're gonna. I think you have to have Shredder in the first episode. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm guessing it probably is. I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. So in the original comic, the Purple Dragons are, from what I can tell, in no way tied to Shredder. Right. Um, and in this, it does tie them together, which yeah. I thought was cool. And it's almost like they're a step below, like the Foot Soldiers. Yeah, like it's uh, his grunts or whatever. And yeah. in the original cartoon, you know, he he does use uh, thugs at some times instead of uh, using uh, the actual Foot Soldiers. I, I think it's probably safe to assume that it is Shredder because it's the Foot Clan and he's obviously the leader, so it probably is. Right. And they did credit uh, Scotty Ray for the voice of Shredder in this episode, but they did also credit Veronica Taylor for April, so she wasn't in the episode. So uh, yeah. I was trying to use that to, to verify, but I we can't use that, but I, I'm pretty sure it is Shredder. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you, Josh. What do you, what do you think, man? What, what's first of all? What's your overall like? Who's the standout character in this episode? Raphael. No, by no question. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Good. Good answer. I think Michelangelo once again. You know, he's stealing the show. He uh, is. He's so funny in the, in this episode. Um, I don't like Splinter's voice that much, but I like his character, and I like how he's given them advice about staying in the shadows and and things like that. So. Um, I don't know. I, I, it, it's hard to pick one, but I think I got to go with you. I think I got to go with Raph. Yeah, I, I do agree uh, with your thought on Splinter. I like the dialogue and I like the story for Splinter. I just, you know, I, it's the performance of the voice actor is going to get uh, time to take time to get used to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think after, you know, once you get past that, Splinter was a, a really good character, and, and I like the uh, what, what his character was doing in the episode. Um, yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, Overall, I'd say I really like this series. You know, it, it's a different take than the 1987 series, and I think, you know, anytime there's something new, you know, something new that comes out, you, you know, at least for me, 
you almost feel a little bit threatened, you know? Exactly, yeah. The new 2003 series comes out, and, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, that's for the younger generation. The 1987 series is where it's at. That's the real deal. Right. You know, I, I don't know if I'm going to like this. But, you know, now that I've read the original comic, and I actually go to look at this, it's really, really good. And I really like that they're bringing the original story, you know, out of, of the bringing the story of the comics out to the, the general public who don't read comics in this cartoon series, you know? I, I like... It's just, it's a really good mix of the darkness of the comics with the lightheartedness of the original series. You know, so you almost have like a gradient of um, shades of, of darkness between the 87 series, the 2003 series, and the comic book. And, and even the 2012 series kind of fits in there too. Uh, as far as the how dark it is, I would say first it's the 87 series, then the 2012, then the 2003, and then the comics. So you can go from lighter to darker, and it's kind of cool. So whatever kind of mood you're in, <laughs> you can pick what you want to watch. Yeah, I, exactly. I think I like that, yeah. Um, but uh, overall, the the first episode, I really liked. I, I liked the entire episode. I don't think there was a, a part of it really that I didn't like. And uh, the series as a whole seems pretty promising. Okay, well, you and I seriously need to start disagreeing on stuff. <laughs> because everything you said uh, is exactly what I was going to say. Um, I loved this episode. Uh, I loved everything about this episode. The writing, I love that it's it's uh, darker, but there's also some humor. I mean, I, there's definitely an homage to the comics and the cartoon series, uh, which I love. Um, and, and it's like the writers are self-aware. They know that some people aren't going to like it, but you know what? Change is good. And this was certainly a change. Uh, it was something fresh. It was a new take on the Ninja Turtles. And sure, back in 2003 when I first watched this, when it, when it first came out, I was very disappointed. But I only had the original cartoon to base my opinion on. Now that I've read the comic books, I loved, I loved the series. I thought it was a nice blend of both. So overall, I think this was an excellent episode, and I'm looking forward to more of the 2003 series. You know, I, I think that if... If I had started reading the comic books, and then I saw the 2003 TV series, and then I saw the 87 series, I think I would like the 2003 series better. Wow. Because, because it's more accurate. But I like the 87 series better just because of nostalgia and, you know, but I think, to me, I feel like there's more story in the 2003 series because it's a little bit more um, a little bit more serious but yeah so I overall I was extremely impressed with uh, with the story of the 2003 series uh, well what's your thought on that um that's a good question I, you know it's so, so you're asking me if I think if I had seen or if I had read the comics first and then seen the 2003 series and then went to see the 1987 series like how I'd feel yeah Oh, that's a good question. I think I'm with you. I, I, I really do. Like, I I think if I just had to go by cartoons and nostalgia, I've got to go with the original. Right. But if I'm going by the comic books, I've got to go with the 2003. So I'm with you. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's 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 really tough to say. I think uh, the 87 series is really good on its own. Oh, but, absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, without the 87 series, we wouldn't have... Kring as he is, no. we wouldn't have Bebop, we wouldn't have Rocksteady, or the Technodrome, or Dimension X. Right. So there's a lot that the 87 series brought to the Turtles universe that I do like. Uh, so it, it's kind of funny, in my mind, the 2003 series 
well, it's not the 87 series, so it's not as good. Right. But then if you look at the comic, well, the 2003 series is better because it's closer to the comic. So it's, yeah, it's really, I think the order in which you see them has a big impact on uh, how you feel about them. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, I guess that's our impression of the Image Comics series. That's our impression of the 2003 uh, Leonardo action figures and uh, the Play Playmates uh, toy line as a whole. And that's our impression of the 2003 cartoon. I think they all get thumbs up. If you have any comments or feedback you'd like to give us based on uh, these three topics we discussed today, uh, send us an email at turtleflakespodcast at gmail.com or send us a message on our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash turtleflakespodcast. And if you do give us uh, if you do give us feedback, be sure to send us your address and I will mail you a free pack of Turtles cards. Absolutely free of charge, and he's even going to pay pay for the postage. So if you yeah get some turtles cards, you can trade with all your friends. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, you might be the only one, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a couple people at work; they're floating around now. So nice, uh, it's, nice. It's catching on, yeah. Sweet. Well, awesome. Here's hoping you enjoy your jelly beans and ice cream pizza. And on behalf of Josh and myself, we wish you a good day and cowabunga, dudes. Bon appetit and cowabunga.